Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Warrior podcast. I'm your host, Maria Shabla, and today we are very excited to be speaking to um, Tony Joyce, a former EOD tech and founder and executive director for Bubbles for Vets. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Tony, I always like to start from the beginning. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Oh, wow. That's crazy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in actually on a horse ranch in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Um, We, well, I call it a horse ranch. We had about 50 head of horses and just over 200 head of cattle. Um, So we raised cattle for beef. Um, So I I went to school there until high school. My dad got a job in Charleston, South Carolina. So I went to high school in Charleston and college in Columbia at USC. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's kind of different. I haven't met a lot of people that grew up on a horse ranch. <laughs> well, it's really funny because uh, fast forward to 2001, and we arrived in Afghanistan very early in the conflict, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And uh, I ended up having to teach all of my team how to ride a horse because none of them knew how. Wow. So that really came in handy. Oh, that's so interesting. You never know yeah. when things are going to come in hand. Um, so you have been an avid diver since high school. Can you tell us about how your passion for diving started? Yes, ma'am. Uh, so illegally, we uh, we used to take dives over in the Lake Moultrie, Lake Marion area in uh, Charleston, between Charleston and Columbia. And in high school, a very good friend of mine, I haven't talked to him in years, but uh, Matt Weiss was a diver. His dad was a certified diver, certified him. Uh, his dad was an instructor. So we would dive there at the dam in uh, Lake Moultrie. And at the dam, we found uh, catfish that were laying at the mouth of the dam, and they were as big as Volkswagen beetles. They were huge. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And uh, so at that point, I was like, oh, wow, okay, I need to learn how to do this for for real. Um, And I got certified there in high school. It was like 1986, 85, 86. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really use it a lot until... Like I'd go out to Hawaii for a vacation or something like that. I didn't really use it a whole lot until I got into the service. Interesting. Now I have to stop you. When you say illegally, what does that mean in diving? (laughs) Well, I wasn't certified until later in the, in the high school. Mm -hmm. So he, 
just gave me the gear and said, here, breathe out of this and put this on and let's go. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You are brave. (laughs) You know, kids uh, have no fear. Yeah. Yeah. As an instructor, I see that every day, you know, Mm -hmm. kids are, are very resilient and kids are actually easier to teach than adults. Interesting. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. Okay, well, that is a great story. So, so funny. So a a catfish the size of a Volkswagen. I can't even imagine. Scared the crap out of me, to be honest. I bet. So um, now with your experience diving, what made you decide to join the Army instead of the Navy? Well, believe it or not, I actually tried to join the Navy Mm -hmm. in high school. I was, I was going to be, you know, I wanted to join the boat team. I wanted to be a SEAL, that whole nine yards. But unfortunately, I didn't graduate high school um, at 18. I graduated at 17. And my father refused to sign the paperwork until after I spent at least a year in college. Interesting. So, you know, one thing led to another. I got into college and I discovered girls. I discovered <laughs> King and I never left. So, <laughs> so I actually didn't join the military until I was 27 years old. I had already graduated college. I graduated college in 95 um, and then uh, didn't join the military until like five years later. Wow, that is so wild. So I have to ask, what did you get your degree in? I actually have degrees in chemistry and criminal uh, psychology. Interesting. So <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of a funny story. The, uh, the chemistry degree came in because I was dating a girl that was in there for chemistry uh-huh. and I started taking classes just so I could hang out with her <laughs> and about my junior year my uh, my advisor said hey Tony do you know you only need like two more classes and you'll have a degree in chemistry I was like wait what <laughs> wow So I took those two classes and I ended up getting two degrees. That is wild. And they're so different. Criminal justice and chemistry. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The criminal psychology I've used way more than the chemistry. uh, Way more than the chemistry. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Wow. So then what prompted you to join the Army at 27? Um. You know, I I wanted to get, believe it or not, I wanted to get into federal law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And one of my best friends uh, was an FBI agent at the time. He got out of high school and, and went straight to the FBI. Um, he said, okay, so go into the Army, be a uh, military police for a couple of years, And then we will hire you directly out of the military police into the FBI because military police have to go through the same training uh, for FLETC as federal law enforcement does. Mm -hmm. 
Well, this was before 9-11. Mm. So obviously, you know, totally different time frame. Yeah. But uh, so I joined the army. They did not have any MP spots open. They only had ordnance uh, specialists jobs open. So basically BB counters wasn't even EOD. Mm. So I said, okay, fine. Um, I joined, I went, my first duty station was Redstone Arsenal and I got bored really quick because I already had a degree and yeah. counting bullets just didn't do it for me. No, no, no. So you went in and enlisted, you didn't go in as an officer? No, I went in and enlisted because I found out that the officer corps decided how long you stayed at each um, each division. Mm -hmm. And the enlisted corps, you stayed as long as you wanted into whatever job you wanted. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want them telling me how long I could stay enlisted or stay in one division. So I enlisted. Okay. It was actually kind of funny because my DIs definitely tried to get me to go over to the officer. <laughs> wow. Okay. So from BB counter to EOD tech, how did that come about? I, I got really bored, like mm -hmm. I said, and my first sergeant sent me over to the EOD detachment that was there on Redstone Arsenal to do, back then, it was called a tap suit test. Um, we didn't use the bomb suits. We actually got dressed out in our charcoal mop gear mm -hmm. and put on uh, the rubber Gumby suit, the rubber aprons and gloves and gas masks and did all of our PT and uh, trials with that on, um, oh. not the suit. <laughs> oh, I, it doesn't sound any better. <laughs> it might sound worse. <laughs> oh, you know, I, it's funny because uh, you spent about two hours-ish um, in that suit, and every half an hour they would stop you and dump out your boots of water and literally you sweated boots full of water oh, um, and then give you uh, a canteen and you had to drink the whole canteen before you continued the the uh, testing. And you said, it yes, was, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I did because somebody told me that I was going to get to blow stuff up. Oh, there you go. And I, that was the carrot that got gotcha, you, huh? <laughs> that was it. Wow, what a what a journey. So um, can you share some of the highlights of your career as an EOD tech? So it started out really slow mm -hmm. um, before 9-11. 9-11 happened and I got assigned to D.C. Um, so I spent a couple of weeks there in New York uh, when the towers came down mm. uh, hunting for bodies I spent, they changed my orders. I was supposed to actually go to Pine Bluff uh, Arsenal, which is where all the bugs were kept at that time. 
and they changed my orders to DC um, after I had already showed up in New York for a couple of weeks. And then I went to the Pentagon for about a month. Uh, my unit was there at uh, Fort McNair, which is the bottom end of um, it's the war college is there, the Army War College. Um, so it's at the the junction between the Antioch Anacostia River. Um, so that's out there in Fourth uh, and M. So I spent. Uh, a couple of years there, I deployed with those that unit to Afghanistan in 2000, the end of 2001, beginning of 2002. Um, then bounced around between Iraq, Bosnia, Afghanistan, you know, back and forth several times. Uh, after that, I got transferred out to the West Coast mm -hmm. where I started working for the Navy. And they asked me if I knew how to scuba dive. And I was <laughs> like, well, I haven't done it in a while, but I am certified. So they, the first thing they did was sent me to uh, Fort Bragg to learn how to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. <laughs> I was like, I didn't sign out, sign up for jumping out of planes. Oh I signed goodness. up to dive. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, yeah, they ran out of Navy EOD techs, so they started pulling on the Army. And I said, okay, sign me up. Wow. That is wild. So you were still Army, but you were assigned to the Navy. Yep. And you I started diving. I, I started diving, and I was like, oh, I'm never going back again once I figured out that uh, the Navy had way more toys in diving than I did. I was like, that's it. I'm doing it. That is wild. But like, I mean, how does that work? Because the branches are so different. So I can't, I mean, did you just fall in with the Navy or was it different accommodations or different commands or how did that work? I just kind of fell in with them. Mm -hmm. um, we had... Uh, a lot of guys out there that were, um, it, it, EOD is a small community mm -hmm. and you start getting to know people and uh, they make things happen that wouldn't normally happen. Mm -hmm. um, the, the guy that really did it for me, his name was Mike uh, Aramanda and he, he was a Navy uh, senior chief. Um, I think he's still overseas working for the State Department doing mine clearing in the Bosnia-Herzegovina area. Oh, wow. But he kind of took me under his wing, him and uh, Mike uh, Woodward. <laughs> Funny story, Mike was actually assigned to the mammal school in San Diego. Interesting. And he was, he, he's a big guy, you know, I mean, he filled a doorway. <laughs> I feel like I've heard they, his name before. Yep. He actually was a dolphin target. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard this story before. 
<laughs> it's funny to hear him talk about it. But uh, good, good guys, awesome guys, awesome EOD techs. But uh, yeah, they ended up in um, China Lake uh, along with a few other guys. And I worked there for eight years um, and then uh, finally got out and became a Navy civilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a Navy civilian for quite a few years. Uh, worked in missiles, Sidewinder, um, Standard Missile. Uh, just uh, those RAM, those few programs out there. And then uh, I got a call that a buddy of mine, old uh, scuba, uh, old uh, um, diver friend of mine, called me that uh, they needed a test engineer over at headquarters here in Tampa. And I was like, yeah, please sign me up. Nice. <laughs> so I am here in Tampa working for Special Operations Command. That is awesome. Um, so here at the foundation, we are huge advocates on taking care of your mental health. Can you tell our listeners about some of the struggles that you may have had related to your service and your career as an EOD tech and how you take care of your mental health? Wow. Um, yes. So in 2011, I, I had never gone to the VA I had never asked for help. Obviously, you run in that community and you compartmentalize everything and you think you have it all under control until one day you're arguing with your teenage daughter and everybody's yelling and screaming and I walk out the door to try and calm down um, about four hours and 10 or 12 miles later, I wake up climbing a chain link fence at the hardware store in Ridgecrest, um, smelling fresh cut hay. And the shrinks think that the hay sound, uh, smell because of my childhood growing up on a horse ranch was what woke me up. Um, I have no memory of that four hours. All I know is the um, uh, Ridgecrest Police Department, um, one of the, he was a friend of mine, triangulated my cell phone that I didn't even realize I had and found me. Wow. The next day, I went down to the VA hospital in Sepulveda, uh, down in L.A., and said, I think I need some help. It took about two years for them to figure out how to balance me out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess when... PTSD is is kind of a big deal. And then when you couple that with the three, I've had three traumatic brain injuries mm-hmm. uh, due to explosives <laughs> being way too close. Mm. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, so you couple those two together and, and it takes a cocktail. Um, I guess our brains don't ever fix themselves once you've been in that kind of environment for as long as some of us have. And it took a few years to get balanced out. Um, I ended up losing my wife. I lost my kids. They left me and moved here to Florida. Mm -hmm. I have since reconnected to the kids. The wife, that wasn't fixable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was actually um, seeing two other EOD techs killed uh, at the same deployment. We had, uh, we had three within a year on, on one deployment in, uh, so between, between that and losing the family, it took a long time for me to get stable again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, it's kind of textbook, but I, I never did the drugs because I had a, I still work for the government and I had a top secret security clearance, but I did the alcohol really heavy. Mm-hmm. It took a long time to come out of that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure that there are so many people listening that can completely relate to your story. Um, and so I appreciate you sharing that that with us. And so so now, um, how do you how do you continue that? How do you keep taking care of your mental health? Diving. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I have continued diving. I've got a few friends from uh, the Navy that are here in Tampa and they help out with the nonprofit. Uh, we, we actually stood it up. My wife was the catalyst that actually, I mean, it's been in the background, uh, you know, for years since my divorce, uh, since losing my family, mm-hmm. I wanted to figure out a way to help other veterans not lose their family, reconnect with their kids, reconnect with their spouse. Wow. And that was the genesis of uh, Bubbles for Vets. Uh, Joe uh, Deturi, he was a LNO, uh, naval officer, naval diving officer, uh, that I met while I was out in San Diego. And he... I followed him here to um, SOCOM, and he's been very instrumental in helping us stand this up. Wow. Well, so you know? I, that was a perfect segue, and I love, I love the name Bubbles for Vets, <laughs> by the way. So um, can you tell us what made you, what made you decide to start this nonprofit? You said it was kind of like floating around, um, but what made you start this nonprofit on top of a full-time job, because that is a lot. <laughs> that That is clearly it a is, labor of love. So It is a lot. Yeah. Um, I, 
my wife actually convinced me. She was like, hey, uh, either we're going to do this or we're not. And I jokingly say that uh, I told her because I had a had a, a for-profit company, um, Two Wolves, that I teach diving and I do some salvage during hurricanes and stuff like that. But I, I hadn't really put the the time into creating bubbles until she really pushed me. She she was like, hey, either we're going to do this or we're not. Did you just and refer said, to it as bubbles? I did. Um, That's awesome. I, I, uh, I told her, I said, well, if we're going to do this, you have to learn how to scuba dive. And she was on board. So wow, she, how fun. You know, three years later, she's got a couple hundred dives and uh, she is our underwater photographer. Wow, so for, how neat. For all the classes we do, for the families, we uh, she takes all the pictures. Oh, my gosh. Now, your nonprofit is unique in, in, the, in the fact that you offered the diving retreat to the whole family, which that is a, a lot of different components there. So can you tell us about what, what is your retreat like and walk us through a retreat? Okay. So, yes. Um, it is really different. There's a couple of dive companies that do for the veterans. Um, there's one that does the whole family, but they do like 30 families at a time and they go to a destination, uh, like the Bahamas or, um, the Azores, wherever. Um, so we expose starting on uh, it, it's a whole weekend of diving and counseling. Mm -hmm. So they come in on Friday and they get to meet the counselors um, either in person or video, depending on what they need. Um, they have already filled out an application before they get to us. So if we need prosthetics, I have it built ahead of time uh, to help them swim. Wow. I, get a hold of whatever counselors I have access to child psychologists, um, family counselors, therapists, whatever they need. These counselors volunteer their time to help the vets out. Um, so when they arrive, they get to meet the counselors and then all day Saturday, all day Sunday, they are diving with their kids. Um, we supply all the gear. I have a couple of corporate sponsors that supply the gear, um, but uh, they show up, they dive, and they create those memories, uh, reconnect with their parents, and try to try to mend those relationships that have been definitely damaged by years and years of, of deployments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, that is so awesome. And where do they stay? Well, it depends on whether they're local. If they're mm -hmm. local, obviously they stay at home, but mm -hmm. uh, we furnish them hotels, rental car, um, food, money, whatever they need um, if they're coming from out of town. Um, and then, you know, we have a couple of dive shops here in town 
that will give us a captain and give us the boat. All we pay for is gas. Wow, that is awesome. So can you tell us about some of the neat partnerships you've established? It sounds like you've got help all over the place. Well, it, it, it is kind of funny. Um, DEMA, which is a international diving um, consortium event that happens every year. We went last year and next um, diving, who is a uh, company out of uh, Monterey Bay. They supply all of our diving regulators. Um, the um, We've got a company called um, uh, Back Splash, who furnishes the camera kits. Wow. Uh, big video. Um, Backscatter. I'm sorry. It's mm -hmm. Backscatter. Uh, furnishes the camera. They donated a camera, housing, uh, memory cards, whatever we needed. And then Henderson, who uh, provides our wetsuits. That's incredible. That is really awesome. So for anyone listening who, who would like to apply for a retreat, um, what's your eligibility criteria and how can they apply? It's super simple. Um, they go to our website, which is bubblesforvets.org, mm -hmm. and they put in an application. Mm -hmm. and all they have to have is a, they either have to be active duty or they have to be a veteran that has a disability uh, rating. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be any certain rating. It just has to be at least a VA rating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're in the process of trying to get the VA to help out with some of the costs. Um, it usually costs about five or $6,000 per family mm -hmm. to do the, the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're, we're hopeful that very soon the VA will be pitching in for that. For Fingers crossed. That. Yes, yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. So um, I know Bubbles for Vets is relatively new, um, but what's your vision for the future? Our goal is to have six families a year, mm -hmm. uh, one every other month, either certified if they want to get certified or just the diving experience for the whole family. Um, we, the counselors and the therapists follow the families for a year. So any more than uh, six a year, every other month would be a little hard to keep up with. Yeah. For, yeah. Especially since they're volunteer. donating their time. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, well, that is a great goal, and it seems to me to be quite obtainable. So, I hope so. I'm very excited for you. Yeah. Um, well, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your story with us um, and to share this awesome efforts that you guys have put into creating Bubbles for Vets. And it it just seems like such a wonderful program, and I, I hope that the EOD techs and families out there listening to this podcast will reach out to you um, and, and maybe attend one of these awesome retreats. Please do. Yeah. The more the merrier. 
And so for anybody listening that just wants to support, um, what's the best way for them to contact you? We have uh, donate buttons actually mm-hmm. on our website. Okay. Um, I, I don't pretend to understand how all that works, but <laughs> my wife is really great at it. Awesome. Uh, so they can donate on the website or they can call uh, Bubbles for Vets, the phone numbers on the website and talk to us in person. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, as is our tradition, we're going to end with um, a couple of questions of your favorite things. Ready? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. What is your favorite dive spot? (laughs) Um, Believe it or not, it is uh, Catalina off the coast of California. It's really cold, Mm -hmm. but the... um, you have all of the groves and sea lions. You know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. The kelp beds and the sea lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, it was one of my first dive spots, active duty. And I love it. I love going out there every year. Oh, that's so nice. Um, what is your favorite oceanic animal? <laughs> Nurse sharks. Ooh. Oddly enough, they are kind of like puppies of the ocean. Believe it or not, they really love to have their head scratched. They will swim right up to you. And it's funny, I've got uh, photographs. My wife took photographs of me and a nurse shark, and he's literally right here. Just swam up, started nudging me. I scratch his head. He swims off, comes back. I, they are amazing. They're just puppies. That and is wild. I've never heard that before. How cool. Um, what is your favorite time of day to dive? Oh, early in the morning. Really? Is there a reason? The water is usually calmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sunsets are magnificent. Mm-hmm. And it... it even if it's cold, it's just calm and quiet, and you really get a connection with nature and understand why God created all of it. It's, it's totally amazing. Wow, that sounds great. Um, last question. Um, what is your favorite thing about holding your retreats? The look on the family's face when they realize they can breathe underwater and they're doing it together. Wow. Oh, that is so neat, Tony. I don't teach advanced classes Uh uh, for dive masters and, and instructors. I only teach the first three or four levels because of that look. It's, it's amazing. You can't, you can't imagine how it feels for them to breathe underwater the first time. It gets, they get so excited. <laughs> that is incredible. I, th- I think I'm inspired. I have to go dive now. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Well, so many, so many interesting twists and turns in this, uh, in this interview, Tony. I just appreciate, appreciate so much what what you're doing and what you've done um, with your career. So thank you so much. 
Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. We wish you the very best. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast brought to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. The EOD Warrior Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization serving the EOD community by providing financial assistance, scholarships, and providing hope and wellness resources for the active duty, reserve, National Guard, retired, and veteran EOD communities and their families. We also honor our fallen and wounded EOD technicians by maintaining the EOD Memorial and Remembrance Garden. We do all this through the generosity of individual and corporate donors and sponsors. If you would like to assist the foundation or support our Behind the Warrior podcast, click the link on our webpage at eodwarriorfoundation.org or contact us at info at eodwarriorfoundation.org. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to tell a friend. The various opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests, contributors, and participants of the Behind the Warrior podcast are their own and are intended for informational purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions, beliefs, viewpoints, or policies of the EOD Warrior Foundation or its employees and volunteers.